Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to the Athletics Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. Michael Beller, Andrew DeWitt kicking off this episode of Best on the Board. And we're actually going to do something a little bit different today than we've been doing all season on Mondays, considering that we still have four Week 15 games ahead of us, two tonight on Monday, and then two more on Tuesday. Before we get to that, DeWitt, let's celebrate our 4-0 week from a week ago. We uh, we nailed it, 2-0 for both of us. All right, finally. I feel I mean, We've had some good weeks, <laughs> but that was it's, it's nice mm-hmm. when you have wins like that and happy to provide people some betting tips early in the week. I know we got we were on the right side of most of the line moves, too, so it's, it's exciting when we can do that, and you know, hopefully people jumped on board with us, got, got the win there, so. Yeah, definitely feeling good about that going into what is left for Week 15 and four games. Like I said, we've got Raiders and Browns kicking off in, what, about four hours now? Then we've got Bears and Vikings, the originally scheduled Monday night game. Tomorrow, Eagles and the Washington football team and Rams and Seahawks getting together. So instead of looking out ahead to the early Week 16 lines, which is what we typically do on these Monday episodes of Best on the Board, we thought... Why not give you some best bets for the four games that are remaining? Because usually it's just one game and whatever, and we've already talked it to death. But now we've got four games to talk about here and some games that have undergone some wild swings. And let's start with the wildest of them all to wit. Uh, Raiders and Browns on again, off again. And we're not exactly sure who the quarterback's going to be. This one at once upon a time was Browns minus what, like four and a half, five and a half. Uh, I think you said you got the Raiders all the way up at plus six and a half, right? That's where it opened up, yeah. So that, I mean, then ridiculous. And then when this game was still going to be played on Saturday, it was all the way back to Raiders minus three and a half. And then when they got pushed back to Monday, the Browns became favored again. And then the Browns announced their uh, who and who is not activated from the COVID list. And the not includes Baker Mayfield and uh, Case Keenum. So it will be Nick Mullins starting for the Browns, which brought it all the way back to Raiders favored once again. And even since then, DeWitt, it has moved once again. So what we are looking at here is Raiders minus two and a half, a total of 40 and a half on bet MGM by time this actually by time some of you are out there listening to this it maybe will have moved again but we're using those lines Raiders minus two and a half 40 and a half is the total what do you like in this one to it uh, I'm gonna take uh just for the record we're just throwing out props and having fun betting here we're you know mm-hmm. we're looking forward to like some fun props and I'm, that's what I'm mostly focusing on is but I'm gonna go over Josh Jacobs 88 and a half rushing and receiving yards his target percentages in the last few weeks since Kenyon Drake hit the IR have been going up and the Raiders have been using it as a full-time three down back now he's been catching he's kind of become that dump off uh, since Darren Waller is injured for Derek Carr I just see Josh Jacobs getting a lot of work in this game because we know that the Browns offense is probably going to struggle so if the Raiders can kind of get an early lead um, you know maybe get a turnover off of a quarterback who hasn't played the NFL in a while not up to game speed mm-hmm. at all I can just kind of see Josh Jacobs having a really good game so I'm just going to kind of lean into the receiving yards because he's been getting those lately so I'm just going to go so that's kind of my hedge out is that if somehow the Browns get the lead I'm kind of thinking Jacobs may be the target for the dump offs as well if the the Raiders end up running you know that two minute offense at the end of the game he may be the, the running back who gets the dump offs so I'm kind of going over 88 and a half just based on a couple of those things and kind of staying away just from the rushing prop because if the mm-hmm. Browns somehow get a lead or get some turnovers I can see Josh Jacobs becoming that release valve for Derek Carr I mean, is it somehow though? Because I like the Browns plus two and a half. I really, they're, yeah. they're the better team. And like, look, no, no Baker, no Case Keenum. This is obviously bad. Uh, Nick Mullins has been generally competent, generally passable yeah. uh, as an emergency quarterback previously in his career with the 49ers. And so obviously, it, it's, you know, this is not uh, a one for one 
uh, trade-off with those situations. Those were situations where he had been with the 49ers for all of training camp. He knew the offense backwards and forwards. Uh, this is not the exact same situation where he was just signed off the street uh, by the Browns and now is going to be starting a game for them. This is a much, much different situation, but he has been a generally competent capable emergency quarterback previously in his career and Kevin Stefanski's offense as we know doesn't necessarily have to ask too much of the quarterback especially when you've got a healthy Nick Chubb behind you as Nick Mullins will in this game tonight and so I think the Browns are just quite simply do it the better team and they got Josh they got John Johnson off of uh, IR he was one of the few guys who was activated from the COVID list who wouldn't have played had this game been played on Saturday but with the extra 48 hours now is able to play tonight that's a big get back for them so the defense is healthy the defense is healthy and Nick Chubb is healthy and obviously not having your actual or backup quarterback changes everything, but that is how this team is built to win games. They're built to win running the football and playing great defense, and all those principles are going to be out there for them against the Raiders. The Raiders are a mess. The Raiders cannot do anything right offensively for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and I don't see why that suddenly changes going up against a full-strength defense like Cleveland. So really, what we're looking at here to me, DeWitt, is the Raiders having to really clamp down on Cleveland offensively, which I think they can do, but I'm still going to say that the best unit on the field in this game is Cleveland's defense, and I think that pushes them to not only uh, beating this two-and-a-half-point spread, but still getting the win outright. Yeah, I mean, it's a good good theory because, I, I mean, you're all right. The Browns are built to win that game, and it's not like Baker Mayfield's been some amazing quarterback the last three or four weeks. They talked about – there were rumors about him getting benched for Case Keenum straight up, you know, and, and OBJ, like, he seems like he's a pretty competent wide receiver with the Rams right now. So some of those internal struggles that the Rams – or the Browns have been having on offense, it really doesn't matter because they're just going to run the ball today. And so that's – it's a good pick. I would lean on that side if I if I took a side. Let's go to uh, the Monday night, actual Monday night game, the nightcap tonight now, Bears and Vikings. I'm going to get mine out of the way first because mine is pretty simple. It's basically any Justin Jefferson prop I can find, I want. I think Justin Jefferson is about to have himself a monster game. Still no official word on Adam Thielen, but... It's a high ankle sprain. He's almost for sure not coming back in this. And just look at what Justin Jefferson has done over, let's just isolate it to the last five weeks to wit. 11 targets, 10, 9, 14, and 15, 9, 8, 4, 11, and 7 catches, 143, 169, 83, 182, 79 yards with four touchdowns across those five games. The Bears have been susceptible to big pass plays all season. Jalen Johnson on the COVID list. The Bears are dealing with multiple DBs out in this game. I think this is a monster game for Justin Jefferson. I think we're talking about something like 12 for 150 and a pair of touchdowns. So basically any Justin Jefferson prop I can find, I want. The ones that I'm putting here on the record, over 93 and a half receiving yards and an anytime touchdown. You got to pay the juice on them to get them. But I really don't think that there's any concern about the Bears keeping him anything near in check in this game. Yeah, and and like you said, the Bears' entire secondary seems like it might be out for this game. So yes. I, I just... And the only concern is, like, do the Vikings do this weird thing where they just want to run the ball all the time once they get a lead? They kind of do that sometimes, and they're, you know, Vikings coaching isn't the best, you know, as we've seen by their record and their skill level. But, I mean, I like I like Justin Jefferson to have a huge game, and I think, you know, they should be looking, like, Kirk Cousins should be looking for Justin Jefferson, especially if Thielen's out tonight. Yeah, and uh, someone else who we know he's going to be looking for, uh, K.J. Osborne, and of course, 
Tyler Conklin, and that's where you take us for your play on Bears and Vikings. Yep, I just love these tight ends to score the first touchdown props. I think <laughs> there's good – I mean, Zach Ertz almost had the, the first – he yep. had the target. It was intercepted by Kyler Murray uh-huh. last week. But I, I like Tyler Conklin plus 1,100, 11-1 to, to, to score the first touchdown tonight. I think the Vikings will score the first touchdown just because I'm not a big fan of the Bears offense. And I think – What? You know, what? Justin Fields, <laughs> new new day, right? So I think I think Next Tyler time. Conklin, if Thielen's out, big if, but I think it's trending that direction. He's not gonna be hundred percent even if Thielen plays. Kirk Cousins is gonna be looking for targets in the red zone, especially if they get inside the twenty yard line. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously, like we just discussed, is probably one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. But Tyler Conklin's gonna be that mm-hmm. backup option. So I just kinda like the value I'm getting at eleven to one on him to score the first touchdown on the game. Yep. Tight ends and quarterbacks, great places to find some sneaky value on first touchdown prop scorers. Uh, obviously, you get that value for a reason, but uh, Tyler Conklin definitely has proved himself already a capable red zone weapon for the Vikings, and that was even before Adam Thielen's injury. We know what Adam Thielen does for this team in the red zone. Tyler Conklin really becoming a, a go-to option of sorts for Kirk Cousins when the Vikings get into the red zone. Let's shuffle our way on over to Tuesday. To wit, the first game on Tuesday is Eagles and Washington football team gonna let you take this one first um, not every prop yet posted on BetMGM obviously this game a moving target as well most significantly with who the starting quarterback for the Washington football team is going to be you have Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen still in COVID-19 protocol as of this recording Monday afternoon what do you got for us in this game I'm just gonna go with the prop of will there be a score in the final two minutes and I'm gonna go no um, the reason being that these teams are, as we've seen with the Washington football team and the Eagles lately, they just want to run the ball. And in a two-minute situation, if a team gets the ball, they're not going to be in position to score. They're not going to be in position to do a, a, a quick attack offense. And they're going to be scared because they don't trust. I don't think the Eagles trust Jalen Hurts as a throwing quarterback. And I don't think mm-hmm. whoever's playing for the Washington football team, <laughs> River Road Ron is kind of taking the back seat and he doesn't seem like he's going to be the one to go attack and try and get a score before halftime. So I just kind of want to, I kind of like the, the pot two to one value on this. I know there are a lot of points scored in the first last two minutes of an NFL game, especially in the first half, but I'm just a big fan here that I think if, you know, if there's a pawn or anything like that, I think the teams are just mm-hmm. going to be content getting to halftime. And I don't see either a team just kind of attacking, trying to get that last second score, just because I don't think the game's going to be that high scoring. The the total in this game is, last time I checked, was at like around 40 points. And we don't have yep. n- news on the quarterback situation. And there's obviously a question if Jalen Hurts is going to play. I just like no score in the first in the final two minutes of the first half. It's 42 right now on BetMGM, and I think that's a fair number. I actually like Washington in this game, plus six and a half uh, in this spot. And we we don't know if Taylor Heineke and or Kyle Allen are going to be available for Washington. We don't know that yet. We will know that um, by, what, later today, right? I mean, that's the COVID rules. You have to come off the list, and obviously they change things with these games. But we're going to know this comfortably before game time. This is not going to be a game time decision sort of thing. But... if they get one of those guys back, this number is very generous, I think. And if it's Heineke, I think it's an incredibly generous number. And just reading the tea leaves of all these games, we talked a little bit earlier about the fluctuations in the Browns-Raiders line. I mean, this game has swung literally 10 points. Literally, it's been 10 point swings. The Rams and Seahawks, this was Rams minus three and a half. Now it's Rams minus seven. I mean, we have seen just these major swings that you just don't see in a typical week for two of the three COVID games. And the one that we haven't seen it in is Washington and Eagles. This was a line that was opened at six and a half. This line has been sitting at six and a half for literally nine days, DeWitt. And so I think that this just feels to me like 
odds makers really just trying to keep it sneakily under a touchdown. Just keep it under a touchdown. You have plenty of betters who can talk themselves into Eagles win this game by a touchdown. Washington's totally in shambles. And I just think these two teams are a little bit closer than the number suggests. Of course, if it ends up being Garrett Gilbert getting the start for Washington, I'm going to feel silly. I also don't think I'm getting six and a half if uh, we hear tomorrow morning that Taylor Heineke's off the COVID list and good to go. So I'm going to take my chances on it now. I know it's a risk, but I'll go ahead, I'll grab Washington, and I'll hope they get one of those two quarterbacks activated because I do think that this game is closer than it appears, even with Jalen Hurts likely drawing the start for the Eagles. I'm going to keep us moving right along here, it so we can wrap things up. Rams and Seahawks, the last game of Week 15 being played tomorrow night. This one, too, like I said, moving all over the place. The Rams are now seven-point favorites. 45 and a half, the total in this one. We're on the same page here. We're just doing things a little bit differently. I've got the full game. You've got the first half. Let's hear your argument for the Rams. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half points in the first half. Uh, leading towards the first half, just because I think going back to the Arizona Monday night football loss, we've seen the Rams really start strong in a lot of these games in the year, and then they kind of slow down in the second half. Um, you know, I think they're going to be pretty healthy after the COVID issues because they're going to be able yeah. to clear a lot of players between today and tomorrow. Um, so, you know, they, they started their COVID issues almost immediately after the Arizona game and they had players missing last Monday. So I think they're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, we've been in this pandemic for what, almost two years now. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're at the, the end of the COVID curve here. So I think they're going to be yep. healthy. And I just see the Rams are just a way better team than the Seahawks right now. We've seen that the last yes. few weeks out of the Seahawks. And I just like the half, the first half number because I think the Rams are going to put their, the pedal to the metal in the first half and then probably slow it down if they get a lead. So I just like the Rams comfortably in the first half. Yeah, from a personnel availability standpoint, the Rams are going to be basically unaffected by the uh, the COVID situation that they, they just went through. They were affected by it last week, but pretty much everyone else is going to be back for the Rams this week. And it comes down comes down to the fact, excuse me, that you said the Rams are just simply a far, far better team than the Seahawks. And really, in the entire Aaron, Aaron Donald era, the Rams have dominated this matchup because the Rams have owned this matchup on both sides in the trenches. The Rams dominate the trenches when they're on defense. The Rams dominate the trenches when they're on offense. And the Rams have been the one team that has been able to consistently make Russell Wilson uncomfortable. And it's got so much to do with Aaron Donald and what that front is able to do against this Seahawks offensive line that has been lacking for years now. Time after time after time, meeting after meeting after meeting. And I think that stays true here this week. The Rams now have a major opportunity with Arizona getting upset by the Lions. They have a huge opportunity to get back in this NFC West race, maybe win that division, still keep themselves alive for the one seed. This is a huge game for the Rams. This is a big opportunity for them. And I again, I, I think that I think we're... If you're not gambling on this game, if you're not betting on this game, if you're not a fantasy player, and if you're not a Rams fan, I've got a feeling you could turn off this game by about halfway through the third quarter. I think the Rams just dominate the far better team and better where it matters most as well. Love the Rams in this spot. Give me the Rams minus seven with a ton of confidence. That's going to do it for this part of Best on the Board. DeWitt, this is fun. Changing things up a little bit. We'll look ahead to week 16 also a little later in the week. But for now, we're just sticking with these games. Good stuff, DeWitt. We'll be talking to you soon. All right, have a good one. All right, let's get on to Monday's NBA slate. Tass Mellis from No Dunks joining us to do that. And Tass, uh, Merry Christmas week, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Merry Christmas week to you, too. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a fun one. Obviously, the uh, NBA has been dealing with uh, some major 
COVID upheaval of its own. Multiple games canceled on Monday's slate. So we are looking at a much shorter Monday slate of games than we typically get on a Monday. This is a day of the week where we're usually looking at 9, 10 games. Not the case here tonight, but still plenty of games for us to find some gambling angles on. And I, I like what you've got for your first one here. You went 1-0 last week. I went 1-0 last week. Typically, you offer up two picks. The reason why you only went 1-0 was because you had a Joel Embiid prop. Joel Embiid promptly got ruled out of the Sixers game a week ago, but he's back out there today. And so you're going back to the Joel Embiid well. I like it a lot. I am going that way, and there is a chance uh, that he gets ruled out once again. Uh, But I do like it's (laughs) Joel Embiid, and and he's questionable with an ankle injury. But I do like the idea of going with player props in the conditions that we're under right now versus Mm -hmm. teams because, yeah, if Embiid doesn't play for whatever reason, you're safe with the player props. But because there are so many guys going in and out of the lineups, you never know what the team is going to look like. But if Joel Embiid takes the floor against the Celtics, a team he loves playing against, he he is motivated. He is motivated by that rivalry. I think he's going well over the 35.5 points and rebounds because he got an, a nice little rest yesterday. Pelicans game uh, was canceled, so he's got that extra rest day. The 76ers have lost three straight, so there's that motivation. I like the fact that he's going up against Robert Williams and Ennis Cantor Freedom because they are going to play him one-on-one. This is sort of a repeat of what I said last week. Uh, and, and I like him being able to uh, put some huge numbers on the board when there's one-on-one coverage against him. He averages 26-12 and 12 lifetime against the Celtics, so that would be well over the 35-and-a-half. And, a half. and uh, I, I always am worried, you know, are they going to double him? Because that's when he passes and the numbers wouldn't be there. Uh, but in a, a situation like this tonight, Andre Drummond, their backup center, already ruled out because of health and safety protocols. So I, I feel like it's more likely that Embiid plays and that he plays a lot because he would be their only real legitimate center. Celtics played Saturday. Sixers have not played since Thursday. Good recipe for success for Joel Embiid. Love it. Love all the inputs that are going into this one. And uh, it's one that I'm going to be tailing you on because uh, Embiid definitely set up for success in a big way in this game tonight. Of course, check the uh, check out the injury reports as they come out, as Tess said questionable with an ankle injury, but we're expecting Embiid to be able to suit up for the Sixers. For my one play this week, I'm going to go over to uh, Reggie Jackson and the Clippers. Uh, I'm taking Reggie Jackson over four and a half assists tonight, plus 105. Clippers and Spurs getting together in this game. I like that I'm getting plus money on this. This is right about where he is for the season, averaging 4.2 assists per game, and he's really become a prime facilitator on this team, and obviously with what they do in the backcourt, things look a little different for them than they do for some other teams, but Reggie Jackson really is your primary facilitator on the Clippers. This could change a little bit uh, with Paul George's availability. He's missed, what, four or five games now, uh, questionable uh, for tonight's game against the Spurs. Um, I, I don't really think it changes you know, too much for what Reggie does for this team. You, know, if, if you could argue that if Paul George is out there, maybe it means a little bit less on ball time for Reggie Jackson. You could also make the counter argument that if, Reggie, uh, that if Paul George plays, uh, Reggie Jackson has you know, his team's best scorer available to him to assist two so it's sort of a wash it's six of one half dozen of the other for me uh, as it relates to Paul George playing in this game quite simply Tess I just like the way Reggie Jackson's looked of late he had uh, 10 assists his last time out nine assists the game before that uh, then he had a couple of down games seven and six the two games before that he's had one two three four five six games with at least six assists uh, over his last 10 and I just think that that's still the role even if it isn't one that has necessarily come naturally to Reggie Jackson over his NBA career, I think that's the role he's best suited to play in 
for the Clippers, where he's given you something along the lines of you know, 16, 17, 15 points a night, getting to put up you know 15 or so shot attempts and then facilitating as well. I think that's really the best role for him to be playing for these Clippers. Get that plus money. A little bit worried about the way the Spurs play in terms of pace, and the over-under reflects that. But I still think the plus money, plus the way he's been playing recently, plus what the Clippers need out of him, that all adds up to a good bet for me. You got a gem there, Michael. I think that four and a half assists, it's a low number. Uh, you got to you got to like the fact that, yeah, the Spurs will get up and down a little bit. Um, and an assist in the NBA can mean really nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could it could be. And, and, I, and I, you, when you when you try and, and understand what Paul George will will give or take away from uh, uh-huh. Reggie Jackson, I, I think really it's it's just, it's all gravy. Uh, Paul yeah. George will ease into it. As you said, he's been out uh, for several games. If there's anything I know from watching NBA basketball, it's that Paul George will allow Reggie Jackson to play on the ball for a good chunk of this game. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, will probably take over in the fourth quarter. But the this, this Clippers team, I think, will be on the same page after that kind of an embarrassing loss uh, against mm-hmm. OKC on Saturday night. Uh, they will get back to what makes them great. What their identity is moving the basketball and and jump shooting the heck out of it. And, and so it's not a it's not a thing where Reggie Jackson's got to get downhill and find guys uh, as as he penetrates. It's just hey, Luke Kennard, I like the way your shots looking. There you go. That's an assist. It's simple as mm-hmm. that when you when you're talking assists. I, I think you really have found uh, a, a very low number on the board, and, and I think that's what uh, I'm not a. a, a uh, a really polished gambler when it looks to, when I when it comes to props, but when these sort of lines come out, I mean, I, I think these can't be entirely uh, indicative of the way the guy's been playing. And as mm-hmm. you went through those numbers, it doesn't surprise me that Reggie Jackson has sort of uh, found himself here with the Clippers. He started slow, but uh, I think this is a good spot for him and the Clippers to get a, a win, and uh, yeah, for him to get five assists, which is nothing uh, in today's yeah. NBA, really. Yeah, Luke Kennard, 18 and a half points is his prop tonight. And if I know Paul George, that's a number that I would like as well. But hard to like it too much if Paul George does end up suiting up for the Sixers. Let's get one more prop on the board here before we wrap things up in this episode, Tass. Rudy Gobert going back to the big man well here. What do you got on Rudy for us? Well, just like I was talking about there, the Clippers got embarrassed by OKC. Shea Gilgis-Alexander banged home that three at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. The Jazz have lost two straight. And uh, frankly, we're embarrassed at home, both of them. And so they come out today against the Charlotte Hornets. And I like Rudy Gobert to sort of be the beneficiary of them moving the ball and him just getting dunk after dunk after dunk. It's 15 and a half points. Now for Rudy, it's you know pretty much par for the course. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has been four of his last five where he has gone over. And this is game five of a six-game road trip uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. So I think their legs will be a little tired. Uh, They will be lacking defensively. And that's when the Jazz just find big man inside. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Uh, (laughs) I think he'll have an easy matchup uh, with Mason Plumlee likely to start against him. And then what do they go with on the bench? Uh, Well, small guys. They like to play small. Whether it's P.J. Washington is just way too small for Rudy Gobert. So I look to... Charlotte's last game to see how their big man, who should be able to take advantage of their matchups, uh, see how he did. Well, Aiton went 15 and 15 last night, but it was just 24 minutes of play. So that is a bit of a worry because the Suns blew out the Hornets. Will the Jazz do the same? Uh, I, I think that Rudy will be in there for enough minutes uh, to get up over that 15 and a half point mark. He's got some huge rebound plus assists, plus points totals uh, tonight. So I would, I would, I'm kind of leaning against that. But I think, that, mm-hmm. again, five of six, or I'm sorry, four of his last five has gone over that 15 and a half point mark. 
I think it's a pretty easy play. I mean, it's it, it, the only thing I think that limits him is if the Jazz blow out the Hornets right quick, which it is a possibility, let's be honest. But uh, if he's on there for 30 minutes, I think this 15.5 point total should be easy against a front line that, that can't play with Rudy Gobert. 11.5 is the line on that game. So definitely some blowout potential. In fact, maybe some blowout expectation. But countering that, yes. perhaps, Tess, 236.5 is the total on this game. And just mm-hmm. to, to juxtapose that against another game with a big spread, Golden State's favored by 12.5 against Sacramento tonight, 221.5 the total on that game. So you're talking about a, yeah. I mean, 236.5 is one yeah. of the biggest totals you're ever going to see in the NBA. Totally. So even if Utah yeah. blows them out, right? I mean, there's, I, I think that we're still going to see a very high-scoring game in this one, and so that should also help Rudy. Lots of points on the board, Michael. And and I think Charlotte's pride will at least allow them to stay somewhat close. They were absolutely spanked yesterday by the Suns, 30-plus points, and that... Yeah, that always gives me a, a little bit of hope that a team will keep it close uh, because, yeah, these, te- <laughs> these guys are good enough yeah. uh, to stick around. Sure. And, and, you know, when you're on these long road trips, uh, you can be a little tired defensively. But mm. uh, I think that bodes well. I think there, there's enough enough ingredients there for uh, a Gobert 15.5-point recipe. Gobert 15.5 points, Reggie Jackson 4.5 assists, Joel Embiid 35.5 points plus rebounds, the numbers that we are going to be watching across the NBA tonight. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. Thanks so much for joining us. For Tass and Andrew, I am Michael Beller. Good luck with all of your bets tonight. And as always, we say happy betting. We'll talk to you soon. See you.